um, there are two things I'd like to ask you also to pray with me about. The first being uh, our young adults are, are on a retreat up in Bear Lake. And um, I just really had a sense as I've been praying for them that God wanted to do some really significant things. He wanted to do some really profound, life-changing, transformative things. So I'd like to ask if you would pray with me about that. And then the second thing is um, uh, the message that I'm going to bring today, you know, I'm, I'm going in order of we are actually part of a denomination, which is actually an interdenominational denomination. In other words, we're not real sectarian. We believe in the, the body of Christ at large. And um, our denomination is called Foursquare, and they have a list of all of their basic beliefs. And so coming into this season, you know, Jesus says that, that no one knows the day or the hour, but we can sense that something's happening in the spiritual realm. Can you sense that? Something is happening. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. And I believe that it is really important for us as ministers of good news and for those of us who love the name of Jesus to really know what we believe. And so we're kind of going back to the basics. Um, today we just have a, a lighthearted little topic. It's, it's called the Trinity. <laughs> Anybody hear of the Trinity? <laughs> that was sarcasm. Um, the Trinity is a mystery. Um, and, and if that's why I, I did. I asked Kelly if he would preach this message because I feel very ill-equipped because it is a mystery. But my desire today is to, to try to explain as much as I can through using God's word, taking what God says about himself and explaining that to equip you. Have any of you ever gotten in a conversation with someone from a Christian cult or a false religion? And then they brought this up, this issue of Trinity. And you're like, I have no idea how to defend this. Well, hopefully after, at the end of today, you will know how to defend it. And I, I know whenever, whenever I stand up here and teach, I know there are actually two teachers. There's me, but more importantly, there's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I have people that come up to me oftentimes after I, I give a message and they'll say, my wife put you up to that, didn't she? And I always say, yeah, which is a lie. But the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your heart. And that is what I would like to pray for today, moving into this message, so that any distractions or any confusion would dissipate and that you would be able to really understand what the Holy Spirit is saying about who God is, the, the three in one. So would you mind praying with me for this? Well, Lord, thank you that you are all wise, all knowing, all loving. Lord, we pray first and foremost for the young adults up in Bear Lake as they're led by Doug and Kuule Lee. And we just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, as they're um, wrapping up their retreat, Lord, that you would do profound things in their hearts in each one of those young people that has given themselves fully to you. Lord, we ask that you would um, massage into their hearts those things you are speaking to them. 
Lord, we do believe that these are the last days. Lord, there is the increase of wickedness. Lord, and the love of most will grow cold, but God, we ask that we would stand firm till the end. We pray that these young adults would, would stand firm. Lord, we pray that you would equip them and you would bless them and show favor to them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just come before you humbly, Lord, and I, I just confess, God, I know I'm not, I'm not the best person to bring this message, Lord, but I just ask that you would speak through me. Use your word, God, and speak. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. Can you just say that right now? Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. We invite you to teach us and instruct us. And we bless you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is one of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer, and he says in the book Pursuit of God, now get this, this is a really, this is a really awesome quote. A.W. Tozer is super heavy. So if you're looking for a little light reading, he's not the guy. I can only get through like a couple sentences, and then I just have to sit there and really think about it. But I love his writings. He says this, the believing man does not claim to understand. The believing man does not claim to understand. He falls to his knees and whispers, God. The man of earth kneels also, but not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, to find the course and the how of things. And that's what we're going to do today. We are going to examine and search and try to find the how, how to explain what is the Trinity. How do we describe this mysterious principle? Um, let's, let's take an example on earth, first of all. Let's talk about the ocean. The ocean is so mysterious, isn't it? Have you ever been to the ocean and you just go, wow, this thing is intense? It's 140 million square miles. It covers 71% of the earth. But yet, marine biologists and people who study the ocean have said that we really know about 5% of, of anything there is to know about the ocean. 5%. Now, you take a step back and you think about the one that created the ocean as well as the other 80 billion plus galaxies? How could we possibly know everything? Do you know that God is eternal, which means that for the rest of eternity, we're going to be learning more about who he is? Let that sink in for a second. He's eternal. So for those who know him, we are going to constantly be learning more and more and more about his goodness and about his character. Doesn't that just blow your mind? That is our great God. And so even though the word Trinity, um, there's different terms for it. There's, they, they call it the Godhead, or they call it the triune God, which means tri, three, un, unity, three, in one, or trinity, which is tri, again, unity. So what the trinity is not, the trinity is not there are three gods and, and they are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What the trinity is, is there is one God, one being, like I'm a human being, and there are three distinct persons within the one. 
Um, so we're going to talk, first of all, we'll talk about the father. Okay, there's a, there's a thing in uh, ancient Israel called the Shema, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is called the Shema. They say that twice a day. So when it says this, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, which is plural. The Lord, plural, Elohim, is one. What? It seems like a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? In Genesis 1, people will sometimes try to say, oh, well, the Trinity's not even in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, which is a plural form, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on in the Proverbs. It talks about wisdom. And Jesus is called with the wisdom of God. It says he was there at the creation. And it says the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. The Trinity is throughout the Bible. And I, I promise you, I'm going to try not to go too fast today, but there's so many more verses I could have taken out and, and shared with you. This is ubiquitous. It is throughout the entire Bible. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about, first of all, not to get too philosophical, philosophical, but there is something that's called the law of non-contradiction, which says something cannot be and not be at the same time. Seems pretty logical, right? So in other words, it, it can't, God is one God and God is not one God, or God is three gods and God is not three gods. That's that is the law of non-contradiction. That cannot be true. So people will say when they're talking about the Trinity, well, that seems like a contradiction of terms to say, well, how could you have three in one? Because everyone knows that one plus one plus one equals one, right? I always say they should do multiplication instead. One times one times one equals one. But the law of non-contradiction says something cannot be something and not something at the same time. So when the Bible talks about God is one, let's go to Isaiah 43, starting with verse 10. I want to invite you, um, start bringing your, your Bibles, your paper Bibles. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not old-fashioned in that way. I mean, I, I love to use technology and everything, but I think sometimes it can be a distraction. Um, I like to hear those pages flipping. Isaiah 43, starting with verse 10. It says here, no God was formed before me, and there will be none after me. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. Okay, I want you to put a pin in that. There is no Savior. Okay, remember this. Isaiah 44, 6. This is the Lord speaking. I am the first and the last. There is no God but me. Ephesians 4.4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, get that one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so that is talking about Father, Father God who is the, the one, the source of everything, the source of all. He is the one who provides. You know, it says in James, it says um, that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. That is the Father. Okay, now the Son. 
This is the second personage of the Trinity. Matthew 1.23, see, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will call him, what? Emmanuel, which means, what? God with us. Elohim with us. God with us. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things, here we go again, here's creation, comes back to creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says here, all things were created through him. Who? Through the word that was with God and was also God. Okay? And it says, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. 1 John 5, verse 7. 1 John 5, verse 7. This is the King James Version, and it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, who we've already talked about. The Word. Who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus was with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says, there are three that bear witness, the Father, the Word, and the what? The what? Holy Spirit. These are three, or these three are one. Okay, Jude one twenty five. the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Okay, remember I told you to put a pin in that? The Savior. There is one Savior. God says that of himself. He is the what? He is the Savior. And here it's saying the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, and power through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Second Peter 1, starting with verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and what? Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I am the Lord. There is no other. There is no Savior besides me. And now here, it's saying Jesus Christ is the Savior. Which proves Jesus Christ is God. You know, sometimes people will say, well, if Jesus was really God, why didn't he just come out and say that? Why wouldn't he make it easier? He did, actually. And if you, if you realize that in the scriptures, anytime anybody would like bow down to worship an angel or bow down to worship any of the apostles, they would go, no, 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 only worship the Lord, only worship God. But Jesus allowed people to come and bow down and worship him because he was God. And he even said, before Abraham was, I am. And that doesn't mean that much to us, but to the, to the Hebrews who understood and knew, that was Jesus saying, I am God. I am the great I am. 
And that was why they wanted to kill him. They said he was a heretic. They, they said he was blaspheming because he was saying that he was God. So he actually did say that he was God. He didn't say it in those words. But the word Trinity is not in the Bible either. You ever notice that? People are always like, well, if the Trinity is really true, why isn't that word in the Bible? Well, how many of you believe that God is all-powerful? And there's a term for that. It's called omnipotent all-powerful. How many of you believe God knows everything? He's the all-wise God. How many of you believe that? Okay, there's a word for that. It's called omniscient. It's not in the Bible. How many of you believe that God is everywhere? God can be everywhere. There's a word for that. What is it? Omnipresent. That's not in the Bible. But we believe those things, do we not? We believe these things about God And so even though the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, it is throughout the Bible. There are so many representations of it. Um, Where was I? Let's see. Okay, um, here it says in Colossians 2, starting with verse 8, be careful. Okay, this is a warning now. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy, which means the love of knowledge, and empty deceit based on human tradition. So be careful of this. Avoid this at all costs. It says, rather than Christ. This is based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. For the entire, now get this, hear this. The entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who was worshipped by angels. And he set that aside. And he humbled himself. It says in Philippians 2, it says, he condescended, he humbled himself and took on human flesh and became the Emmanuel, the God with us. Jesus set aside that worship. I mean, you think about this only to be despised and rejected and beaten and whipped and have his beard ripped out and be spat upon and mocked and die the most humiliating death you could ever die, and that is crucifixion. It's a brutal form of murder. And Jesus set aside his glory. He set aside all of that for you and me so that we could know him. And so when it says here, it says that the entire fullness of God, God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Titus chapter 2, 13, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and what? Savior, again, Jesus Christ, the Savior, Jesus Christ. You, you guys remember the story about Thomas, poor Thomas in the Bible. He's called, I mean, they've actually coined that phrase after him, doubting Thomas. Thomas was a skeptical guy. And he basically was saying, you know what? Unless I see evidence that Jesus Christ is actually raised from the dead, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not just going to go on hearsay. I want to actually have physical evidence. How many of you are like that? I know, it's, it's hard because, you know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. But once Jesus showed him 
his wounds in his side and in his hands, what did Thomas do? He worshiped him and he said, my Lord and my God. He is saying Jesus Christ is God. And Jesus didn't stop him because Jesus knows he is God. Revelation chapter one. Okay, you remember back in Isaiah where it says, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Here it says in in Revelation one, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God. The one who is, who was, and who is to come, the almighty. Now, if you fast forward to Revelation twenty-two twelve, 12, it says, look, I'm coming soon. Now this is Jesus talking. And my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. Did you know Jesus Christ is coming to judge us? I don't know about you, but I want to live my life so much so that it expands the kingdom of heaven and it glorifies God. You know, I spent a long time not doing that in my life. And I can tell you, it was such a waste. I wish I had those years back. Anytime I try to serve, you know, and people are like, oh no, let me do that. I'm like, no, I'm trying to catch up. (laughs) I'm way behind. (laughs) I got saved too late. Um, But it's so true that that Jesus is coming back and he is going to judge. He is the judge. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. He will repay each person according to his work. And here it says, Revelation 22, 13, I am the alpha, beginning, and the omega, the end, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Are you guys convinced Jesus is God? It says here, Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels. Now, these are the angels that have worshipped him. These are the angels that bow down to him, multitudes of angels. It says he will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. So we have the Father, who is the source of all things. We have the Son, who came and lived and became one of us and set that example. Jesus Christ is the example of how we should live, how we should lay down our lives, how we should serve, how we should humble ourselves. And then the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18, For through him we have both access in one spirit, to the Father. This is through Jesus. We have both, we, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Acts chapter 5, there's a story of this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And um, it says, A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge. And it says, And he brought a portion of it and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, now I want you to hear this. If you doubt that the Holy Spirit is God, listen to this. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds in the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it you planned this thing in your heart? Now listen to this again. You have not lied to people, but to whom? To whom? To God. 
to the Holy Spirit. It says back here, it says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then here it says, you haven't lied to people, you have lied to God. The Holy Spirit is also God. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, the one I send you from the Father, the spirit of truth. Now remember, it says Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here it says this is the spirit of truth. It says, the spirit of truth proceeds from the Father, and he will testify about me. Matthew 28, 19. I love this. I just realized this this week where it says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He doesn't say baptizing them in the names of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, the Holy Spirit is what Jesus sent to us. It is who Jesus sent to us. The Holy Spirit isn't like a power or an entity or you know, like some ghost. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, it says. It says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He, he is a personage within the Godhead, and he is God. So the, the four-score statement, um, I just want to read this to you. I thought this was so concise. Would you guys mind get, getting the whiteboard for me, please? It says, we believe there is but one true and living God. Okay, one hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, the Elohim is one. The plural is one. It says, heaven and, the maker of heaven and earth and all that is in them, the alpha and the omega, whoever was, who is, who shall be, time without end. Amen. And that he is infinitely holy, mighty, tender, loving, and glorious, worthy of all possible love and honor, confidence and obedience, majesty, dominion, and might, both now and forever. And that in the unity of the Godhead, there are three, say three, equal in every divine perfection. Say it again, three, equal in every divine perfection, executing distinct but harmonious offices in the great work of redemption. You know, it says that the Lord gave a ransom for us. You know, a ransom is typically given in a kidnapping situation. And that's what this is talking about, how the Lord did this plan of salvation to redeem us. He paid a ransom for us so that we could know him forever. And you know, the whole thing with the Trinity, it's so, like I said, it's mysterious. And if there's anybody that that um, thinks that they can really understand it completely, I just have to question your sanity <laughs> because you think about how little we know about the ocean, 5% of the ocean, and yet the creator of the heavens and earth is, is explaining something to us that is absolutely mysterious. Do you guys remember that scene in Elf where he, um, 
he runs into that coffee shop. I love the movie Elf. He runs into the coffee shop and he's like, congratulations. It says here that you've created the best cup of coffee in the world. Congratulations. And that's what I say to whoever says that they totally understand the Trinity. I say, congratulations, you are the first. Because there are theologians that literally, this is all they study. And there are books and YouTube. I mean, you guys, if you want to dive into this, man, I barely scratched the surface on this. But I want to show you, um, I saw this, I, I felt like this was such a good visual a representation of what the Trinity is. So please forgive my, I'm not, I'm not very good at drawing, but, um, but I thought this was really, really good. This was a good kind of a visual representation. So how many gods are there? How many? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the plural, Elohim, is one. Okay? That is God here. This is God. Okay? That's God in the center. Can you guys see this? Can you see it? Okay. Then there is the Father. Right? Now, how many of you believe that the Father is God? Okay, so we made that case, the Father is God, right? Okay, let's go over here. Woo. Let's go over here. Here's Jesus. That looks like a T. Jesus right here. How many of you believe Jesus is God? I and the Father are one. Jesus, so we made the case, Jesus is God. Okay, then over here, the third person of the Trinity is Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit here. And how many of you believe the Holy Spirit is God? Okay, the Holy Spirit is God. But is the Father Jesus? Is Jesus the Father? Anybody? Anybody listening? Is Jesus the Father? The answer is no. Jesus is not. Wow, this is really not. Okay, Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not Jesus. Now, is Jesus the Holy Spirit? No, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he would send his Holy Spirit. Is not. Okay, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Well, is the Father the Holy Spirit? You're catching on by now, huh? Jesus, or the Father, is not. They are three distinct personages in one being, God. You get it? Get it? I mean, I know it's not perfect, but... So we have the God... And the Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Father is not Jesus, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. But yet, they are all God. Any of you feel a little more equipped to be able to explain this? Because, you know, I'm telling you, uh, in this series, Kelly kicked it off talking about the cross, which is our triumph. And then last week I talked about the word, the word of God, which is called the sword. 
the sword of the spirit. And only 18% of all people who call themselves Christians actually read the Bible, which means 82% of the army of God is, is going into battle without a weapon. And that is not God's best for us. And I'm, this is a, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say, you guys, I believe Jesus is coming back soon. I believe that with all of my heart. I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and it, is, it feels more close than ever before. It feels like you can, you can read the signs in the heavenlies. Can you not? Does it not feel like there's the increase of wickedness, that the love of most is growing cold? Even the very elect will be deceived. There's going to be this great falling away. But it says that the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And it's so important for us. Jesus says, pray that God would send workers into the harvest field. Jesus says, pray for people to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Like I said, I wasted a lot of years not serving him, not living for him. And I can just tell you, life 100% surrendered to him is the way to go. It's the way to freedom. You know, we sang that song, we're free, free. That is God's best for us. And he wants us to understand who he is and the three personages so that we can, we can recognize who he is when he says he is Elohim, he is God. Amen. Would you stand with me while we pray? I know this was a heavy, heavy, heavy message, but I hope that you feel like you have a little bit to chew on going into the, this week. And I, and I do it. I ask you, share the Lord with people. Share Jesus. Share the hope of the forgiveness that, that is available to people. So many people are walking around with so much shame and so much guilt and so much pain. Can we be the light of the world like Jesus called us to be? Would you mind just lifting your hands? Lord, we lift our hands and surrender to you, Lord, and we thank you that you are God. You are one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Lord, we want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Teach us how to do that, Lord. Father, we just, we just invite you, God, to just illuminate this teaching in our own hearts. Lord, give us opportunities this week to even defend what you say about who you are. Let us defend the Trinity. Lord, not that you need defense, but God, let us make sense to people when they share what they believe. Lord, let us be bold. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in here right now who's hurting anyone who's depressed, anyone who's hopeless or in despair or suicidal. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to comfort us and to lead us into all truth. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is our teacher Jesus, thank you that you are the example for us, that you showed us that we can live to honor God. And Father, we thank you that you are the source of all life. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you in the name of Jesus.
Amen. If you need prayer, um, I just want to invite you to come forward. If if you're hurting right now, and I just like to invite some of our um, leaders to come and pray. But if you're hurting, or if you if you've never given your heart to the Lord, you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've never received the forgiveness Jesus offers you on the cross. I just want to invite you to to come forward, or to talk to the person who brought you, or if you're watching online. God bless you. Um, Please connect with us. We would love to be able to invite you into this relationship with our creator, with the God, the three in one. Amen? All right, we'll see you guys next week. Love y'all.